0: What's up Villa fans, Mark Oldacre's here with another episode of the B6 broadcast and how good it feels to be coming to you after an Aston Villa win. Villa victorious at Villa Park over Crystal Palace by two goals to nil. Villa's first win in 11 league games, a run stretching all the way back to January and it couldn't have come at a more important time after the three teams immediately above Villa all won as well this weekend. Those being West Ham as they thrashed Norwich to confirm the Canaries' relegation. Watford coming back from a goal down to beat Newcastle with two Troy Deeney penalties, of course. And today, Leicester, after taking the lead against Bournemouth, completely imploded and ended up losing 4-1. This was going to be a a must-win game for Villa today, regardless of any of the results um, that had happened it was one they had, had, had to win. It was circled on the on the calendar, certainly, as a chance for three points. And they took the three points. They got the job done. Let's look at the stats first before we dive into the blow-by-blow of how the game went down. So, in terms of shots, Villa had 12 to Crystal Palace's 9. On target, Villa had 9 compared to Palace's 5. So, they win in both of those areas. Pass success, Villa's percentage was 73 compared to Crystal Palace's 79 Villa won 47% of the aerial duels on offer and Villa actually had less possession in the game, 45% which did surprise me actually because Villa felt in control of the game for large periods Um, but ultimately Villa did much more with their possession. This was Villa's second clean sheet since the restart and it was Villa's first win in the league by two goals or more since we beat Newcastle at Villa Park in November, also by two goals to nil. Alright, let's get into how the game went down then. It was a lively start and it did not start well for Villa. um, As Crystal Palace had the ball in the net, Mamadou Sacco shouldering, arming, handballing into the net. Um, Let's talk about how the goal came about before we talk about the decision to disallow it. So here's what I saw from it. Um, Palace put three players um, tight together in a cluster, Sacco being one of them. Um, obviously, it's always difficult when that happens because three defenders have to try and mark this clump of players and they'll they'll have a player that they're supposed to stick to and it's easy to lose them. That's exactly what happened here. Um, Sacco broke out of the of the cluster and Douglas Louise uh, lost him. He got the wrong side of him. As the ball came in, Samata ducked at the near post. Not sure what was going on there. And Also, when I watched the replay, um, you also saw Esri Konza, who was actually behind Sacco anyway, so couldn't really have affected it. But he also closed his eyes and turned his back. So they didn't cover themselves in glory with the defending there um, as well. I know Dean Smith felt that the the foul for the free kick was soft as well, Um, but... As it was, the goal was ruled out by our old friend, or not really our friend, VAR. Um, This was very, very borderline. I mean, they they keep banging on about, and they have done since the start of the season, that the the bar has been set at clear and obvious error is where you're supposed to overturn decisions. Um, And there's no way this was a clear and obvious error or there was enough to rule it out. If it was me in, in the VAR booth, I don't think I'd have I'd have ruled this one out. Um, impossible to tell, in my opinion, whether it hit his shoulder or his upper arm, uh, really. But we were absolutely due one of those kinds of decisions, and it came at a perfect time as Villa got a um, a mulligan on their laps defending, and the game remains nil nil. I know the players, the outfielders were also. Um, complaining that Pepe Reina was blocked. From my view of it, and watching the replay as well, it looked like Reina just kind of came out to try and get the ball and just ran straight into Jordan Ayew, which isn't really Jordan Ayew's problem or his fault. Um, However, it doesn't really take much these days to get a foul if you're a goalkeeper. So I can see their point on why they would have expected that to be um, given as a free kick. But as it was, it was ruled out for a different kind of infraction, if you believe it was one. Um, After that, Villa, for most of the first half, we were having plenty of the ball, um, in my opinion, and and getting it into some decent areas and also winning set pieces, which are obviously always an opportunity for us with the likes of Conor Horahan on the pitch. Um, But if I'm being honest, we still didn't really look like we would create too many clear-cut chances. Um, The best one that we created was a ball into um, Emwana Samata, who headed over the bar. Um, But then, right on the stroke of half-time, the goal came at last. Um, Conor Horahan, whose deliveries had actually not been that great so far in the game. We'd kind of wasted the free kicks and corners that we'd had. Um, But he he got one right to great effect. He puts a ball in behind the Crystal Palace defence, who were playing um, zonal marking. Uh, The the free kick was actually heading towards the, the head of... El Mohamedy. Um, Joel Ward. The Crystal Palace defender. Was forced to make a decision. By the good delivery. Um, He stretched. And tried to reach. To get something on the ball. Which he did. All he did. With it though. Was flick it straight to Trezeguet. Who was completely unmarked. And if you watch the replay. He had been completely unmarked. Since before the corner was taken. Because of Palace's zonal marking. He was all the way at the back of the queue. If you will. And because Palace probably hadn't discussed you know, the possibility of we might need to move the line back. I'm sure they were probably just in the positions they'd been practising to be in. So when somebody stands all the way at the back of that kind of queue, if you will, they're probably not going to get picked up and that's what happened here. Um, and I think it was probably from their point of view... Just a case of not thinking about it and just thinking this is my responsibility and not even looking around and thinking is there a problem here is there somebody unmarked um, and Chrezaga was by the time the ball was flicked on towards him he was in six seven yards of space in the penalty area which is absolutely you know golden uh, for Aston Villa. Um, it was a difficult first-time finish for Trezeguet. It, it really was, but he made it look so easy and he took it really well as he, he sorted his feet out quickly and side-footed it into the corner. The, the timing of the goal, obviously, was absolutely key, um, with it being right on half-time. Um, and it definitely gave Villa some impetus going into the second half. It was amazing to see the confidence that the goal gave us, actually, um, and that the players at the start of the second half They began to express themselves and they were looking for more goals. Um, I know Dean Smith referred to in his post-match comments that he said to them at halftime, there's two ways you can go about this, about winning this game. You can be resolute or you can go and get the next one. And they decided they wanted to go and get the next one. Um, And it was just so good to see as well because this team's been beaten down in recent games and confidence has looked really, really low. And it was almost like once they went 1-0 up, they were reminded that they are actually very competent footballers because I've never believed that this team isn't good enough. I think the problem has been that they're all new. We're just scratching the surface of a lot of them in the talent that they may have. Um, And it's been incredibly difficult to get it to all gel together. We still don't really know our best team. It changes week to week. But quality has not actually been necessarily a concern of mine for most of the season anyway and uh, at the start of the second half Villa really started to to show what they could do I thought and cause some problems um, that led to Villa seemingly getting an opportunity to double their lead with Villa being awarded a penalty for a foul on Jack Grealish obviously a flash point in the game to talk about here the first obviously when you see it at full speed you can't really tell if he's been kicked or not you know, and then when you see the first replay angle, um it looked like Van Arnholt had come along and just kicked the bottom of Grealish's foot um and clear penalty, you know. But then when you saw another angle, you see clearly that Grealish actually puts his foot down, unintentionally, in my opinion, I think he was just trying to put his foot down on Van Arnholt's foot. Um it's not a penalty, don't get me wrong, but They gave Man United a penalty for that. For that exact same thing on Thursday at Villa Park. And amazingly, the referee who gave that decision for Man United was on VAR today in this game and disallowed it. So he saw a foul like that. Foul in inverted commas. He saw a foul like that on Thursday and thought it was a penalty. Saw it today and didn't. And... On Thursday, they looked at that at that um, that decision on VAR for under 10 seconds. They, they must have shown the replay twice. and And they very quickly decided, yep, that's a penalty. Today, the replays were scrutinised for what felt like forever. At least a couple of minutes, I would have to say. And then, surprise, surprise, the longer it goes on, you know they're going to overrule it. And they did, no penalty. I don't think it was a penalty, but the inconsistency in the league is nothing short of ridiculous um to be honest, especially when it comes to VAR. And it's something they need to sort out um, going forward. Um, we should have actually had a second goal not long after um, from a, a well-worked corner. Grealish, his deliveries from corners haven't been the best, you know, when he has been on them in general. But he puts a ball into the near post. Elmo gets free at the near post and flicks it towards towards the back post. Ezri Cons is there, couldn't convert from close range as, as Joel Ward did just enough to put him off balance um, so that he, all he could do was hit the shot at the goalkeeper. But in general, we were we were stretching Palace out. Um, we were finding players in space in behind their midfield. And that's where the second goal came from. As we found McGinn um, out wide very easily in behind the, the Palace midfield. Um, he puts the cross into the box. For once, we've actually got three players in the box. Some actual players to aim for. It was headed away in the first instance, but Conor Horahan, uh, Johnny on the spot, wins the wins the header um, on the edge of the box, putting it back in towards the penalty area, which found its way to Trezeguet, who calmly slots through the keeper's legs for the second goal. In my opinion, he, he never would have taken that goal so calmly, had he not scored already. You could see the confidence flowing through him after he scored that first goal, and he was very calm as he put the ball through the keeper's legs. Um, but the main thing that I picked up on from watching the replays back was that we had six players in and around the box as the goal was in creation, um, including Elmo up from right back. Fortune favours the Brave and the ball is far more likely to fall to you if you've got more players you know, in and around it. That's just obvious, um, as we did on this occasion. That's something that we've been struggling with. We know the defence has been better since the restart, but we haven't been creating enough chances and throwing enough players forward um, to try and get goals. And it was almost like today, well, draws are no longer good enough. We have to go for it. And it paid off because as much as the goals, there was some good play in there from us as well. You know, the first goal comes to Trezegar for deflection. The second goal um, is a header. He's not really aiming for anyone in particular, Horahan. And... It happens to fall to Trezeguet again. It could have fell to Elmo, but Sacco could have cleared it. But you get that bit of luck when you take a chance. um, And that's that's what showed today. Um, With that second goal, we have finally broken a couple of horrendous statistics. The first of which I've referenced several times. That a Villa player had not scored a goal from open play since we played Bournemouth in February. So, that's been broken. Great stuff. And also, one that circulated around today was that up until the game today, in the last five months, Toby Alderweireld of Spurs had scored more goals for Villa than any Villa midfielder or attacker combined. That stat was broken. Uh, We levelled and overtook Alderweireld today, which is fantastic news. After we scored the second, um, we kept pushing and um, we could have scored more. Uh, Matt Target, who came on in the first half for Neil Taylor, um, who, who had a, uh, an injury issue. Um, Villa tried bizarrely hard to keep Taylor on the pitch. Maybe it was just to try and get as long out of him as they could so they didn't have to make a sub so early. He lasted about half an hour in the end, but Target came on. And uh, in the second half, late in the game, He played a great ball in low, um, which should have been converted by Trezeguet or Keenan Davis, who was off the bench at that point. Um, Horahan also had a couple of shots saved from distance as well. Palace also started to create openings um, in the latter stages of the game as they started to throw players forward, obviously, with nothing to lose. Um, Their best opportunity was a one-on-one, which um, was Patrick van Arnholt and Pepe Reina made a a great save with his legs um, to keep the game at 2-0. That was sort of in the last 15 minutes of the game. So had that gone in, it would have been a nervy finish. But we were spared that, thankfully. Um, the final talking point was after full-time, um, Christian Benteke, former Villa man, of course, was sent off um, for an altercation, we are told, with Ezri Konza. Um, it wasn't the best return to Villa Park for Christian Benteke. He had actually seven shots in the game and had uh, a good chance in the first half, but it was saved well by Reina, um, him and Konza were battling each other all game long, um, there was a, a moment in the second half where Konza absolutely bodied Benteke, um, no foul was given rightly so as he just shrugged him to the ground, it was brilliant, um, in the last couple of minutes there was shots of them exchanging angry words with each other and I keep doing this, things keep happening in the game and it happened in the first half as well where Mings and, and Zaha were getting into it Um, where I wish I was watching it without the crowd noise because you'd actually have a chance at hearing what they were saying to each other, but alas, I could not. Um, So they were clearly jawing each other and and they'd been going at each other all game. Um, We didn't actually get to see the incident that happened after full time, but it was a straight red for Benteke. We did see that. So just a bad day for Palace overall. Um, But yeah, overall for Villa, great win, great performance A spirited performance at both ends of the pitch. A big confidence boost and hopefully the start of a run um, that we need. Let's move on now to talk about some individual players' performances from the game. Just some ones that stood out to me in general. We'll start with Pepe Reina in goal and work our way up from there. Um, Reina, as I mentioned, might have been blocked for the goal but maybe should have just stayed on his line and tried to save it because the ball ended up going right in the middle of the net. He probably would have saved it. Had he stayed on his line, but he made some good saves, um, as I mentioned, and some important saves as well. A solid uh, performance from him, um, steady, and what you'd expect and what we require, really, from someone of his experience at this stage. A really good performance from Pepe Reina, um, as he's rubber-stamped his place in the side at the moment. Um, Into the defence, Ahmed El Mohamedi. He was drafted into the side late after Courtney Hawes got injured in the warm-up and he showed why he was selected um, ahead of perhaps Frederick, Frederick Gilbert. He handled Wilfred Zaha very easily, kept him really quiet and he got forward well and put in some absolutely unbelievable crosses as he's wont to do, um, as well as, of course, flicking that, that corner on at the near post which he was unlucky to not have an assist with that uh, where Konza couldn't convert and obviously with the cross to Samata as well. Very impressive performance from Elmo. Uh, Esri Konza, as I mentioned, more than held his own against against Benteke back at his normal centre-back spot. That's obviously his natural position and where he should be um, going forward. I think it's going to be difficult to not pick the same defence that um, perhaps finished the game. I would say with with target maybe ahead of um ahead of Taylor for the next match. That's what I would do personally, but we'll see. Um, as I mentioned, he did turn his back for the goal Conza, but was unlucky not to score one himself at the other end from the corner I mentioned earlier. Um, Douglas Louise solid, really solid again as as that central. Pro- it was a proper defensive midfield position, you know, performance he was playing today. Um, And in in a good way, he's becoming a nasty player. Um, He's starting to... You see him when he goes up and and engages with with players, with opposition players, he's getting his hands on them. He's making them uncomfortable. Um, He's committing clever fouls that he's not getting booked for, but just slow the pace of the game down. And he's showing he's not all flair and that he's got some some substance to him as well, which is really good. And of course, um, he can set up attacks so well with his passing ability from deep. There was a pass he played in the second half where... As he played, I thought he must have overhit that, overhit that, but it was actually perfect out to the wing. Um, and he's just got so much, so much ability, bags of talent. It's um it's 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 brilliant to watch. And he's a player that that is getting better by the game. Um and just on the midfield in general, I thought the midfield in general really did the dirty work today. They were putting their foot in, giving fouls away, which I actually like to see. You know, you don't want your opposition to be comfortable um, as long as they're not stupid, ridiculous fouls in bad areas, you know, um, breaking the game up, being smart about it. And something you could have accused us of for most of the season would be being too nice, and that certainly wasn't the case today. Um, also, in the midfield, I want to touch on Conor Horahan. Um, I'm not sure whether he'll, he will get them registered to him, but he should, I think, get two assists today with his. Obviously, free kick, which was flicked on by Joel Ward, um, finding Trezeguet, and then his header uh, from the edge of the box back through to Trezeguet, so should be two assists there, and lucky not to score with um, a shot from the edge of the box, which Guaita got to, but nearly tipped into the net. It was a really good effort, and he had a free kick, which I thought Palace had actually positioned their wall, thinking where we've positioned it he won't be able to do that thing where he whips it round and tries to score at the near post and he still got it round there um unfortunately it was a nice height for um uh, Guaita, who made the save but a good performance from from Conor Horahan not the most influential in in open play but that's not his his forte but he certainly affected the game um, in meaningful ways um Jack Grealish was back out wide again um but an import an improved performance from him in my opinion he was he, he wasn't on the ball as much but when he got the ball he was able to run at defenders and cause problems which is ultimately what we want. Um, Trezeguet of course the man, the man of the moment. Um, besides his goals he was brilliant today. His work rate um, off the ball, he was positive. Um, Dean Smith talked about him after the game as one of the players like Douglas Louise that that is starting to settle in and, and used to playing uh, in the Premier League and Certainly, we hope the best is yet to come from him. He's got dog's abuse at times this year from Villa fans. And hopefully, this could be the start of maybe seeing the real Trezeguet. Hopefully, also, he's not off to Turkey in the summer. Because every bloody week, his agent seems to be touting him off to somewhere else in in Turkish newspapers. So, um, we don't want him to start performing well and then he's shipped out. So, uh, yeah, a good performance from Trezeguet today, obviously. Um, And then finally... And Buana Samata, he's now gone 650 minutes without a shot on target, which is less than ideal. Um, he put a fantastic chance over the bar, which he had to score. Um, from now on, I would personally go with KD, with, with Keenan Davis, until the end of the season, because at least you can rely on him to do something every single game, which is hold the ball up and be a nuisance. Even though he he hasn't been a goal-scoring threat, neither is Samata. And Davis offers you more in other aspects of the game. Um, Man of the match, this is very straightforward for me today. Trezeguet for the two goals. There were obviously other great performances, but with how much of a struggle it's been for us to score goals, getting two of them is amazing for us. Um, I would have gone probably Elmo as my second place and Horahan third. Um, those were the players that impressed me most. So looking forward then to the remaining games. We've got three left and the bottom line is we now have hope for better or for worse. You know, it, had we lost today we or even drawn, we'd have known we were, we were gone pretty much. Um, with the fixtures we had left, it would have been unlikely, very, very unlikely. But the win has given us hope. We need two more wins in my opinion, Uh, well at least two I suppose, and at least one of those has to be against West Ham on the last day with them obviously being close to us. Um, It's going to be difficult because although we look like we're improving and after today the players will have confidence, the margin for error is now razor thin. This was a first step we had to take but we have to follow it up with another win against Everton and build that momentum. We can't stutter now. We have to build on it. Um, and if we beat Everton, it's game on. All bets are off. It really is. Um, based on the fixtures that the other teams around us have left, um, that would be massive. Everton lost 3-0 to Wolves today. Um, however, they are unbeaten at home under Ancelotti. So, a bit like when we were going into the Liverpool game, but not quite as strong of a team. Um we might be getting a pissed off version of Everton but their chances of europe are fading fast now so hopefully we'll get the same the same um type of opposition that we got today in crystal palace who frankly um looked like they were on the beach looked like they're ready for whatever um the off season looks like coming up this year um with the new season probably trailing not far behind this one they look like they're ready for that they've lost five in a row now Um, so hopefully Everton will be similarly not arsed when we play them next week that would be massively helpful we have beaten Everton once Um, it was our first win of the season at court of course at Villa Park a 2-0 win um, but they're a different a different side now we all know that under Ancelotti then they look much better so it's going to be a tough task there's no doubt about it but we're going to need to win against them or against Arsenal Um, and then against West Ham on the final day. However, today, at the end of it all, is a day to be proud of, despite the fact that Bournemouth went and won later in the day, despite the fact that the other two teams won. It's a day to be proud of, it was a performance to be proud of, and a day to just enjoy the result, quite frankly. Um, We'll deal with everything else in four days' time when we go again. I'm going to be back with another podcast hopefully tomorrow, Um, which we'll be diving into a few more of the the stats as there should be some some good stuff to look at this week from Villa's performance um, in terms of individual players. Um, And then after that, it'll probably be a recap of the Everton game will be the next time you hear from me. If you have enjoyed listening to the podcast, then please subscribe on wherever you get your podcasts from. And you can follow the podcast on Twitter at B6 Broadcast. But until next time, up the Villa.